Philosophy Friday. Stay with us. Hi, Friday. Everybody. Friday. Yeah. I was, that's good that you said that because I just realized we hadn't done a mic check and that works. All right. Sweet. <laughs> let's go. Hey, so... <laughs> So Nick and I are actually watching each other on video. It's kind of weird. It feels a little too personal. You're very handsome. <laughs> well, I've got this big Mike Puppet thing blocking my face. Yeah, that's, that's it's like a safety barrier for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, Friday, man. You know, we're going to keep it light for you. Nothing too yeah. heavy. Nothing heavy at so all. So chilled. You're going to love this. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about nick homophobia oh really yeah all right well our ratings just went up <laughs> um all right so uh i mean the reason i wanted to talk about this is you know i've i've been scouring apologetics books and there are very few of them that that are actually talking about one of the biggest reasons why people aren't becoming christians today well, yeah good point yeah, most people today would say something like well do you believe that gay people are going to hell and they're waiting for your positive answer? And as mm -hmm. soon as you say, well, or you give any indication of something positive, they're just going to shut the conversation down. They pigeonhole you. Uh, basically, they're going to believe that everything you're going to say is hateful, prejudiced, uninformed, and the, the listening just stops at that point. Oh, so true. It is the thing. Yeah. I mean, at Wellington, it's the thing. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, the and they're going to be, I mean, certain pockets in the world where this is, I suppose, more intense than others. But I mean, more and more, I mean, this is the thing. And this is probably the reason, you know, Christianity is going down with some sort of persecution soon, uh, you know, with the hate speech angle. Um, and so, yeah, this is, we've got to think carefully, not blunder. Well, what do you think about the, who's that guy, the rugby player guy that is uh, Falau. Falau, that's it. Yeah. Well, what do you make of the Falau scenario? So he's not a Trinitarian, Ooh. which right. is the most important thing about him. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, Enough said. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's, so, that's uh, why we bring actually, you on Fridays, bro. <laughs> <laughs> actually, Carl Truman did a comment on him. So that's where, that's where uh, apparently he's a Unitarian or something or a modalist or something like that. Denies the Trinity. Okay, because it was kind of oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, okay, yeah. Because I mean, so funny, bro, is how all these Christians are jumping on the bandwagon mm. because this is this is a hot topic. Mm. It's one of those dividing issues, and they're not asking questions about his faith, his walk, yes, uh, his his orthodoxy. Yeah, they're just jumping on the bandwagon and joining his party because he's on the right side of the of the political issue. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it just shows a naivety and a lack of discernment on the mm. part of many Christians. Mm. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, what 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 do we need to do? Um, what do we need to do to approach this thing well? Well, I mean, I think the first thing we need to say is we just really need to take take a step back and think about the climate and the atmosphere we're living in. Mm. You know, we we've uh, we're now for the first time in history we've got seven generations that are alive. It's the first time in history where you've got seven distinct generations. Because of technology, because of um, globalization, mm -hmm. um, you know, things happening so quickly where it would take 50 years for a culture to change. It now takes 10 to 20 years. Mm -hmm. 
And so now we have Generation Z. Mm. And or Z, as the Americans say. And uh, Generation Z are people who grow up with social media as the norm for their lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're living in a social media climate. And so we actually have to stop and say, hang on, we're living in a social media climate and just draw attention to the way in which people think, the way they talk, mm. the way they develop their views, the way that emotions get sparked off, the way that mob rage uh, takes over issues, mm. way in which um, name calling and pigeonholing and just saying, well, that's hate speech or that's hate crime or that's homophobia and how that actually just shuts down conversation. You know, the, the public posturing where it's become like politics where, you know, all you have to do to, to, to be right mm. is to get the most people to, to support your view. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you yeah, know, public support is, is the new way to be correct. Yeah. And, it's driven by emotion and not by truth. So we want to just like, okay, guys, let's let's take stock. Let's calm the whole thing down. Let's slow it down. Let's get back to dialogue. Let's get back to truth. Let's get back to logic. And let's let's just think clearly in this age of, you know, emotions that are mm. just raging. As soon as you drop the key words, people just start hating on you Yeah, uh, they're being, because they're being trained to do so. Oh, like this rugby player guy. Just don't do it that way, you know? <laughs> wow. I mean, for me, the biggest issue is, you know, people in my church ask me, what do you think of the Falao situation? I'm mm. like, well, Twitter's, you know, Twitter, Instagram. It's these just got all its things. Yeah. You, yeah, exactly. I mean, the, it's, it's not the place to give a consideration, a considerate, uh, well thought through uh, mm. answer to mm. a very important and divisive issue. Yeah. True. Yeah, I love what, Don, uh, I love what uh, Doug Wilson said one time when he was, someone was speaking to him about Twitter. He said, "Well, you know, I I often think thoughts that are longer than 135 characters or whatever." All <laughs> <laughs> they ex- extended to it. Um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Even though, I mean, he's the 1689 Federal Visionist, right? Who's that? Doug Wilson. <laughs> Sorry, that, 1689. Was it something like a federal visionist? Federal vision. So he was 1689 um, federal vision. Federalism. <laughs> Not 1689 in there at all, bro. Did you hear that? Uh, did you hear that show with my brother and I? We he, we were talking. It was late at night. We I heard Van Hoonen. I remember Van Hoonen. Van Hoonen. Yeah, you like that one? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's better than Van Hooza. Um But uh, we were talking about it and. And um, my brother sort of was talking about federal vision. I was talking about um, 69 federalism, and we were just talking <laughs> past right. each other the That's whole time. Right. I remember that. Oh, man. Anyway, so sorry. Yeah. Um, back to what you were saying. Yeah. So basically, I think what we've got to do is we actually got to make people aware of the climate they're living in, the atmosphere they're living in, the, the wrong way in which communication is taking place, and actually ask for clear communication you know, uh, backed up definitions mm. and actually try and have some sober conversation on both sides. Yeah. So move over to Facebook, people. You know? <laughs> no, just kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. Well, is, there, is there a good forum out there, do you think? Online? Um, well, I mean, the whole thing with social media you is like, that yeah. you need Facebook. Yeah, you do. And yeah, or maybe the, 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 it is quite, it does, it, it does require lengthy um, re- rebuttals and conversation and maybe it is an academic thing at some level i mean you know you really are looking at a if anything a academic forum that allows for just sort of uh peer-reviewed kind of back and forth 
you need peer review, but here's what I don't think you don't need. <clears throat> as soon as you start having a conversation, you get people voting with their likes uh-huh. and their retweets on yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. And it just clouds the issue. We actually need a is. one-on-one conversation. We're actually listening to each other, seeking to progress the conversation towards mm. understanding, mm. and not just not just using public platforms to to posture and and get get some support for your particular view. Mm. Yeah. All right. So you know that's the context, and that's what we have to watch out for. <laughs> and yeah, I think I think wisdom would call for just sort of backing off from those absolutely dodgy forums. Yeah. And yeah, very very good points there. Um, and I think a call for Christians to cool it. Yeah, you know, just take Stop. it easy, bro. Yeah. yeah, take down the pickets. You know, take down the signs. Take down the slogans. Yeah, seriously. Let's enter into some prolonged engagement. What do you think about the way that um, Tim Keller has done it? So, I mean, just I think Tim Keller. You know, he gets asked the question. You know, will homosexuals go to hell? And mm. I think what he's done is he has sought to answer that question in a way that keeps the conversation going. Yes, and that's key. Yeah, and so he his answer is, well, heterosexuality doesn't get you into heaven. Yeah, exactly, which exactly. is what everyone is thinking when they ask yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. And so he just cuts to the chase or just goes behind the thing. Yeah. yeah. Did I tell you about the time when I was, I was studying? Um, just before I became a pastor, I was at a restaurant. I was the only um, straight guy at the restaurant all the other waiters, uh, you know, just they, 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 I mean, we were good buddies and everything, but, but, you know, it was just, I was the odd one out for sure, you know? <laughs> and, um, and so anyways, I'm just sort of setting up, it was like this, I think it was like a three, four star restaurant and, um, setting up, polishing the plates, getting everything good. And I'm turning, I turn around and in V formation behind me is the, the head of staff, you know, and, and, uh, and just kind of the chef and everyone, and they've, they've had a powwow and, and they've considered that I've, you know, I'm going to be a pastor. And at this point we're already kind of buddies. So I think they've got to know me a little bit. They haven't, they can't, they feel like they want to throw me away and, but you know, they're just angry. Okay. So what, what about gay people? You know, um, Mr. Seminarian, you know, what, what about gay people and, and, uh, do gay people go to hell? You know? And so, uh, I remember the, the most disarming, the thing that got me through that, by the grace of God, I know I didn't have the maturity to deal with anything close to this at that point, but maybe just, um, yeah, just something that I was genuinely feeling at the time, which I feel like is, is something that I would do again, is um, I immediately just responded, listen, um, homosexuality has got, I mean, you know, if you compare my life to anyone struggling with homosexuality, it's not even worth comparing, you know, in terms of uh, of depth of sin. Like I'm going to hell, man. You know, if if if, if you want to measure, if you want to have a competition against sin, you know, <laughs> I'm going to win. Just letting you know, you know, I'm the chief of sinners. Paul yeah, like, and and it's not it's not even that I just got the dirt on myself. I literally had committed more sin than them, you know. Yeah. And and it's like, you know, just just that that idea flipped the thing on its head. And that all of a sudden they they became very aware that I was regarding them as as you know people just people who yeah. were struggling or, or struggling or not struggling or in living a life of but it, were embracing let's say uh, uh, what I did view as sin but not as the sin that was damning or the sin that was going to yeah. send me to, uh, send them to hell but rather if anything something on the lighter end of the scale in terms of where I was coming from, you know? So, um, at yeah. that point in my life. So yeah, it was just something, a, a dynamic there that I think we need to, it really helped. It, it moved the conversation forward. hundred percent. I mean, yeah. I think what you're talking about there is how the gospel 
equips us to engage yes. with this. Because, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we, we've spoken about Tim Keller, and I think he does this really well. One of the things that he does is he highlights the caricatures and the stereotypes on both sides. Yeah, yeah, true. You know, because yeah. not only does the Christian think, you know, they are the bad people, they are the sinners, they are the ones who are doing the thing, they are doing the disgusting thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even those who are caught in, in, in whatever sin they're caught in, they look at us, and they, have to, they, can, they can repeat the same error. Hmm. Which is, I'm a good person and you're a bad person. Yeah, exactly. And they're both working according to the same wrong legalism. Hmm. And so getting back to the gospel, the gospel of grace, we're all equally sinners, mm-hmm. um, just really sets the tone. And I mean, I, I preached on this recently, and, and uh, for me, there are two very powerful portions of Scripture. I preached on John 4, Jesus and the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. I think it's incredibly uh, helpful in terms of helping Christians engage on this issue. So mm. you've, got, you've got the Samaritans in Samaria. Mm. Now, we know, we know how the Jews saw them. Mm. Yeah, they were the place to be avoided. Mm. They mm. were the unclean ones. They were the dogs. Mm-hmm. They were the people that you said every day <laughs> in the synagogue, Lord, I thank you that I'm not a Samaritan. Right, yeah. You know, like the Pharisees saying, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this tax collector. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, so that was, this, that was a, the key example um, and yet Jesus goes into Samaria. Mm. Okay? He's ready to engage. Jesus mm. starts the conversation. Mm. And Eats with tax, tax collectors and sinners. I mean, that's... Exactly. And, and so what we see there is here's, here's the perfect Savior, mm-hmm. you know, coming down. And then we look at the way in which he engaged with her. And there's a couple of awesome things going on there. Firstly, her mind is just bogged down in the physical. And you see in chapter 3 and 4. So you've got Nicodemus is chapter 3. Mm-hmm. The Samaritan woman in chapter 4. Mm-hmm. And they're both caught in the same misunderstandings. Mm. What do you mean I have to climb back into my mother's womb? What do you mean I need water? You, you haven't got a bucket. This was a deep well. Mm. Mm. They're, both, they're both thinking wrong thoughts in the same way. Right. And Jesus is offering uh, eternal life to both of them. Yeah. So, so you see the, the leveling of the ground between John 3 and 4, just helping us to see people in the right light. So there's, there's me uh, seeing the, the woman at the well. Here's a woman who um, has been married five times and is presently cohabiting with a man. Mm-hmm. And she's avoiding all the other women at the well because she's probably slept with their husbands. So mm-hmm. she goes to the well during the heat of the day at 12 o'clock to avoid those women, <laughs> you know, because she's, she's a bad person. She's, right. a, she's a lifestyle sinner, as right. we would uh, define homosexuality and other things like that. Um, and Jesus is willing to go there. Jesus is willing to start the conversation. Jesus is willing to put up with her pigeonholing him when she says, hang on, you're a Jew. You're a man. Why are you asking me, a, a woman and a Samaritan, for water? Mm. And um, so she, she goes behind the racial divide. And then when he starts to talk to her about the gospel and, uh, you know, he starts to talk about sin, he does it in such a way that he doesn't rub her nose in it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not lurid. He's, yeah. not like, he's, he's not like people are today, the way in which they're talking about homosexuality. It's almost as if they're driven by fear. Mm. We're so fearful that our kids are going to come into contact with some sex education that we don't want them to come into contact with. So we start shouting louder in our fear mm. to try and control the situation. And start, you know, We mm. want to take things back 20 years to have that safety that we once felt we had mm. you know, and put it behind closed doors and we don't talk about it in public again. Mm. Uh, that's not Jesus' tone. That's mm. not, he's, he's not in that reactionary frame where he's dealing with people uh, out of that fear and that legalism and that mm. wrong understanding of the gospel. Mm. And uh, he's even willing to put up with her deliberate misunderstandings. 
You know, right. as soon as, as soon as sin comes into the conversation, she's like, "Well, I perceive you're a prophet. Well, tell me, you know, let's have a debate, a theological debate about worship. Where should we worship? You say this, we say that. Yeah, you know, right. And uh, yeah, it's it's almost as if this is the way the conversation is going to go today. Yeah, you know, it's there are a couple of things that stand out. You know, the one is. You know, debates about theology. Well, you know, there's only six verses in the Bible that talk about homosexuality. Or, um, you know, I don't need your water. My water is good enough. You know, so, um, you know, these are the types of discussions that that, that repeat themselves. Mm. And uh, when the woman says, I don't need your water, Jacob dug this well, you know, people might say to us today, I'm happy in my sin. I don't need your Christianity. Right. So, so the types of engagement that Jesus is having there with the, the woman at the well is the type of engagement that we will, we, we will have today. It's a very up-to-date type of conversation. But right. speaking the truth in love, I mean, that's, that's what we see in Christ. You know, his, his disciples are surprised that he is a man and he is a Jew is speaking to a Samaritan woman. I mean, they're gobsmacked yeah. when they come in, they catch him in this conversation. It's almost yeah. like he's doing something naughty. Yeah. Um, but that's exactly what should set the tone for Christians. Mm. You know, I mean, we, we're saved by a gospel of grace. We're, we're no better than anyone else. And mm. so I think basically the way in which we're conducting ourselves on social media should not be setting the tone, mm. how, how we should be, uh, you know, pursuing this dialogue. Mm. Oh, man. So, so important. Couldn't agree with you more. I think that's a great point. And um, yeah, yeah it's a, we've got such a long way to go with this stuff, you know. <laughs> In terms of where where um you know where people are at now, because yeah, I mean it's dude, we just need to we need to a bomb Facebook, we need to get rid yeah. of it, and and we just need to yeah. So sort of, I was just thinking, you know, it, it is just a matter of almost equipping the church through preaching regularly, just trying to you know get this gospel hot down. I suppose at the end of the day is what you need to do, you know, because because a lot of people have a lot of baggage with, and there are a lot of years that have developed. Yeah. Um, a certain kind of approach to to this issue, and um, and it's a lot of unbrainwashing sometimes, you know, just legalism, yeah. uh, moralism. So you know, a lot of the times it's just a matter of people having to come to understand their own sinfulness and their own uh, their own uh, yeah, just to un unpharisee themselves, you know, just to <laughs> begin the conversation. Exactly. I think to, what we're saying is this: you know, sometimes the charge of homophobia has been correct. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, as Christians, we have to actually, you know, on this issue, I, I think all, everything we've been saying so far is, is to the believer. Right. You know, about the proper way to actually engage in this conversation because yeah. things are things are getting carried away and we're just not doing the conversation the right way. Yeah. But I think there is there is also some pushback that we need to give um, to those who are making the charge of homophobia. Right. You know, yes, I mean, totally. The, you mean from the someone that might not want to be a believer? Or yeah. entertain the possibility of becoming a Christian because they don't want to join those arrogant, homophobic bigots. Exactly. Yeah. Because I mean, we're 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 seen as exclusive, intolerant. Uh, you know, the, the the climate is is PC, and we are just the you know we're part of the problem, not part of the solution. Right. Got it. And so I think uh, let me read to you a, a, an excerpt from Tim Keller. He's one of the few apologists that I feel is actually hitting this yeah. issue with the right tone. Yeah. And uh, what he does, he sort of kills the illusion of so-called inclusivity or exclusivity. So he says this, consider an illustration. Imagine that one of the board members of the local gay, lesbian and transgender community center announces, 
I've had a religious experience and now I believe homosexuality is a sin. Okay? So yeah. there's someone in the gay community who has a religious experience and goes right instead of left. Mm -hmm. As the weeks go by, he persists in making that assertion. Imagine, on the other hand, that a board member of the Alliance Against Same-Sex announces. So now we're on the right. Mm -hmm. I discovered that my son is gay and I think that he has the right to marry his partner. Okay? So these yeah. are two opposite scenarios mm -hmm. leaving their party position. No matter how personally gracious and flexible the members of each group are, the day will come when each group will have to say, you must step off the board because you don't share a common commitment with us. Right. The first of these communities has the reputation for being inclusive and the second for being exclusive. Hmm. But in practice, both of them operate in almost the same way. Each is based on common beliefs that act as boundaries, including some and excluding others. Right. Neither community is being narrow. They're just being communities. Mm -hmm. And that's a great point, isn't it? Totally. Kills yeah. the illusion of, ex of uh, inclusivity or exclusivity. He goes on to say this. Any community that did not hold its members accountable for specific beliefs and practices would have no corporate identity and would not really be a community at all. We cannot consider a, gr a group exclusive simply because it has standards for its members. Mm. Is there no, and then here's the great question. Here's the key question. Is there no way to judge whether a community is open and caring rather than narrow and oppressive? Yes, there is. And here's, here's where I, I really want to start preaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here is a far better set of tests. Yeah. Which community has beliefs that lead people to treat people of other communities with love and respect? Yes. To serve them and meet their needs. Which community's beliefs lead it to demonize and attack those who violate their boundaries rather than treating them with uh, kindness, humility, and winsomeness? We should criticize Christians when they're condemning and ungracious to unbelievers. But we should not criticize churches when they maintain standards for membership in accord with their beliefs. Every community must do the same. Yeah, <clears throat> that is great. Is that from um, the reason to believe or reasons or what is it called? What is the other one? Yeah, the um, reason for God. Reason for God, yeah. Not making sense of God. Yeah, yeah. so we've recommended that a few times. And that, oh, man. It's Page 39 and 40. <laughs> great book. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, no, that is just truly a fantastic point. And, and in that sense, you know, many parts of the church excel, you know? Yes, amen. And so, you know, true, true, not everyone. And there are some real problems. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, don't, we don't want to be grouped with Westboro Baptist Church, which spends 250000 American dollars a year on picketing. We don't want to be grouped in with Stephen Anderson, who gets up behind his pulpit and talks about those filthy faggots. Yeah. We, we, want, to, we, want, to, we want to try and we, we want to talk about our, our Savior, Jesus, in John 4 with the woman at the well and say, this is the model we are seeking to employ. Right. Yeah. And please, will you now listen to us? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Though, um, what are they called? The Westboro Baptists. Westboro Baptists, yeah. I mean, they they have doctrinal problems too. I mean, they got major. I did, they're hardly even orthodox. Oh, I'm sure they aren't. I mean, you know, you've got. So a lot God, of hates, God hates fags.com, isn't it their website? Oh, my goodness. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and a lot of this stuff. And again, it just reminds me of what we were saying earlier and that, you know, no one's really bothering even to check their orthodoxy at some level, you know. Um, You've got to, you've got, even just those who are claiming to be Christian and having a voice about this issue, are they really, you know, are they from, are they from some strange sort of Pentecostal cult or, you know, and, and I think probably if you just keep it within the bounds of, of, you know, those churches that 
generally have a, a good orthodoxy and good theology, you probably have narrowed the problem down or at least um, limited the problem at some level. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it not solved it because sin remains. And that's part of that message, I suppose, part of that same message saying, you know, we're not claiming to have it all together as the church. Yeah, we're a we'll bunch of... That. Yeah, yeah, we're broken, we're messed up uh, with you, you know, and that's the thing. Um, but we have Jesus, and this is the cure, and we're most convinced of this. And yeah. even if we might not, you know, uh, get it together in this life, you know, the, the tears get wiped away in the next life, and this is a real a real thing and worth living for. And so, um, you know, you have, you, have, uh, you don't want to deny that, that even churches in your own camp and good theology churches have have dealt with this issue badly, but, you know, I think, I don't know, yeah, the pushback there is, okay, let's get rid of that, that fallacy of, of understanding or that, that, that really, um, that overly worn sort of almost, um, I don't know, just platitude, I want to call it. Um, yeah, slogan. Yeah, slogans. Um, and instead, let's think about it and look at the church, actually look at them. And, you know, I can think offhand of, I mean, almost all the churches in Acts 29, well, I'm going to say almost, but all the churches that I've seen in Acts 29 and the Reformed Baptist churches, and those are just what I'm part of, have dealt really well with this, you know. And yeah. um, I don't know that any anyone struggling with, you know, as, as a believer, let's say, struggling with homosexuality is ever going to come out of that feeling, you know, oh my goodness, I've just been maimed by the process of going to that church. Uh, and then those who are just outright, you know, unbelievers and really quite hostile to Christianity, I think, you know, in many instances they've visited and been pleasantly surprised at, at the level of dialogue that's been able to uh, to happen there and um, uh, an open sort of uh, inquiry, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm always going to tell anyone I ever meet, no matter, in fact, um <clears throat> Yeah, my wife um, the other day was t- chatting to someone, and she was like, "Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm lesbian, so I'm not, I can't come to your church." And she, you know, and just that idea, just, it was just a foregone conclusion in her mind, you know. Yeah. And um, and probably there is, you know, there will be a conversation as to, you know, at some level, um, I think there will be a clash of worldviews if we're saying that homosexuality is not a sin. Yes. But you know, it's a long path to that point. Yeah, and, and we're uh, saying this, it's one of many sins that send people to hell. Yeah. And, and we're not picking on it in particular no. as if we are not guilty or weak or broken or in need of a savior. I mean, just the just the idea of not loving God as we should. It's the more serious sin in me and in the person that is same-sex attracted. You know? Yeah. I just just not loving our neighbor. <laughs> You know what I mean? Just, just to start with the, the summary. Just those two things are just incredibly serious and make us guilty. All of us. They're more serious sins. You know, to yeah. commit idolatry is so serious. You know, yeah. and and yeah, just to think about those things. Uh, you know, it's it's almost like forget about the sex. I don't want to say forget about it. You know, because obviously it's there, but just put it in perspective and. Uh, yeah. And, you know, much of our, our that when we're dealing with sexuality, we're dealing with the outworking of our heart at that level and what idols we've chosen to worship anyway. Um, and so, you know, just, just deal with that fundamental issue of, oh, my goodness, I hate God. And he is the creator of everything and the just judge of all the earth who's done nothing mm-hmm. wrong. And I've only ever wronged him. And, you know, I have to face him on the day of judgment. I mean, just, That's just the heart of sin. Yeah. Yeah. Just forget about sexuality. Just, just think about your 
who you've loved, uh, you know, yeah. into, have you loved God, the one who made you, you know, that's enough, yeah. right? There. Just stop and bring you to your knees. So there we go. Yeah. Homophobia. Homophobia. Don't do it. Don't be phobic. <laughs> Don't be phobic. Um, yeah. Be, be phobic of gospellessness. Exactly. Yeah. Be phobic of legalism. Be legal, legal phobic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, cool. That's helpful. And hopefully that gives you something nice and light to think about over the weekend yeah. as you head home. Nomophobia. Nomophobia. There it is. Nomophobia. Nomophobia. That's nomophobological. (laughs) Yeah, just in case you don't know that, nomos is the law, right? That's right. So, nomophobia. Yeah, I like it. I like it. That's better. Be scared of, oh, be theophobic. (laughs) Be scared of God, you know, in light of our nomophobia. (laughs) Dear Lord. Yeah. You know, the real, it's like, it's like, it was it Horton that said, um, came out with that whole thing. It was like, listen, the only problem is God, Yeah. you know, because it's just, you know, it's not the little devils on the little fire things, you know, in the, that we might have to go to hell and have a party there. It's God. We face God that we mm-hmm. haven't worshiped as we should have. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's leave it at that. Hopefully people can cool. decipher what we're saying. Um, <laughs> thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Right. Cheers, bro. Thank you.